0: Right, good morning everybody. Thank you for joining us here this morning at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett and we're going to be starting a brand new teaching series this morning called The Essence of Redemption. And just so you know, all our teachings are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. We also want to say thank you to all those who have partnered with us with their tithes and their offerings. And just so you know that... Um, in case you to how to do so, because many people have asked, you can simply go to our website at lighthousediscipleship.org and go to the Give page, and you can give anywhere from all over the world. If you'd rather send us a check, you can make your checks payable to Lighthouse Discipleship Center, and at the bottom of every page on our website is our mailing address. We also want to say thank you uh, to those who have done so, and if you are in the U.S., just so you know, um, your tax contributions are 100% tax deductible here in the United States Before we are a 5163 church. And as far as announcements, we will be having our Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock on the Believer's Authority uh, by Andrew Womack. Without further ado, I'm going to jump right into my message this morning. I have a lot to cover this morning and uh, whatnot. And this morning I'm starting a brand new series on the essence of redemption, but I'm also starting the, a trilogy of three different teaching services. Uh, this one will be the essence of redemption, and then I'll, after I'm done with this I'm going to be talking about such a great salvation. And then I'll be talking about the new covenant in my blood. These are three different teaching series, but they're, they, they represent a trilogy of three different teaching series, starting with the essence of redemption that we will be starting this week. I believe this particular uh, series will be about three weeks. I don't know for sure. Depending, I have a lot of material. I don't know how fast I'll go through this, uh, and so we may uh, we may have some extensions to this. Uh, but I pretty much have my my notes and thoughts in order. So uh, anyway, we're just gonna dive right in. right. <coughs> and so I'll get into. So it sounds like we're. Anyways, we're having an Easter message over three different teachings, over three different series of teachings, over the next several weeks and a couple months, okay? So, in one sense, we teach Easter all the time. We teach the cross, we teach the gospel all the time. I have no appetite to be in ministry if I teach anything else. Because this is the gospel, this is the message, this is the foundation of everything we believe. And it has revolutionized our lives, our ministry, every area of our lives, from our health to our finances to our relationships. Now, the one I have a lot of verses in this teaching, in this series, and these series is going to be going over the next few weeks. The key verse for this particular series I'm going to be coming back to, back and back forth again, is from Romans chapter 4. Verse 25, and it says this, And he, Jesus, was delivered up because of our offenses, and raised because of our justification. We'll be dealing with the last part of this verse more so next week and the following week, um, but we're going to be looking at this verse uh, over the next, uh, uh, throughout this teaching. He, Jesus, was del- was delivered up because of our offenses, and raised because of our justification. Jesus went to the cross for our sin. That is the the hallmark, that is the foundation, that is the cornerstone of what we believe. Jesus died for our sins. Now you're going to see in this message, this is going to be very basic in some ways. In some ways I might be tipping over some religious sacred cows. But I want in these teaching series, since I'm going to be teaching over the next several weeks, I want to get back to the basics of what we believe. Because if we don't understand this, if we don't understand our salvation and our redemption and our covenant relationship with God, then what are we believing, what are we teaching, and what are we doing? Okay, Because this is the foundation. And if your attitude, even by hearing this, is, I already know that, then... Based on your attitude, you don't know it yet. Because you would not say that. You would not have that attitude if that were the case. That cannot be the case. If you are nonchalant and kind of snuffing at the cross and the gospel, then something's wrong. Something is majorly, majorly wrong. Jesus, our Savior, our Redeemer, went to the cross to die. For our sins. There is nothing more worth teaching and believing than that. Because if you don't believe that, you're not saved. If you don't believe Jesus died for your sins, there is no way on this planet you are saved. There's no other message that you need to hear and believe to, to bring you salvation. Okay? Okay? You know, before I go on this, I don't do this every time. I haven't done this in a while. I want to pray before I even go further with this message, with this series. Lord, I thank you for the cross. I thank you for the gospel. And Lord, I know that the whole reason why we are in this ministry, the whole reason why we are broadcasting these teachings, is to preach the gospel of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would anoint my words to preach and teach with clarity And I pray that you would open our ears to hear with simplicity and clarity to understand your word, understand your gospel in this hour, in this age that we live in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How many believe Jesus is coming soon? And we don't want him to come if we haven't received his first coming. If we did not receive what Jesus accomplished to the cross, when Jesus comes, it's done. There's no second chance. There's no, uh, there's no turning around. I want us to know what we have. I want us to be. make sure that we understand our salvation. I also want to, there's something that we need to do. There's some things that we need to accomplish because we are saved. Okay? Going to heaven is not the only goal. If that's your only goal, you are missing out. Okay? That's a big deal, going to heaven and not going to hell That's a big deal. I'm not watering that down, but I am not going to exclude salvation or just going to heaven. If you go into heaven and the only thing you're concerned about and one of the word, you're selfish. You may be going to heaven and not hell, but if you don't care about bringing other people into the kingdom, then there's something wrong with your heart and your attitude because you're selfish. And I don't say that to be mean. I say that because the, I'm a pastor. I'm a teacher. My job is to help. I'm your friend. I am not your enemy because I bring you the truth. But Jesus went to the cross for our sins. And we all needed redemption. We all needed to be redeemed. Now what's, what does it mean to be redeemed? Redeem means to purchase. It's very simple. We were purchased. And we were purchased by the blood of Jesus. That's what redeem means. And, okay. Why did we need redemption? Let's answer that question. Why did we need redemption? Because we all sinned. Every single one of us have sinned. There was only one sinless person, and his name is called Jesus. And let me give you so in case you're 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 messed up with this or you're confused whether you sinned or not. Let me give you a few scriptures. Romans 3.23 says, For we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore justice through one man sin Adam, entered the world, sin entered the world. Where does sin come from? Adam. Adam sinned. He brought into the world. And death through, the, through sin. And thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin and death. The penalty. You know, when you work, you get a wage. Well, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Psalm fifty-one five says this. Behold, I was shapen in an iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. We were all born in sin because of Adam. So, even if you never committed a sin, and you did, but even if you didn't, you were born in sin. We all needed a Savior. And we have all committed sin. We are all sinners. And because we all sin, we all need a Savior. Okay? Scripture teaches very clearly in the law that the law demanded perfection. No man could approach God based on their own performance. Why? Why is that true? Because nobody was perfect. Okay? Okay? Not one person was perfect. Okay, Galatians 2.21 says this, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ died in vain. If there was a way for man to be saved by his performance, by keeping the commandments, by keeping the law, then Jesus did not need to come. If there was a way for man to be saved by his performance, by keeping the law, by keeping the commandments, then Jesus Christ died in vain. Okay? But Christ didn't die in vain. Paul says in Galatians 3.21, is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. That's not true. What does he mean God forbid? There's a colon. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, which had good... Let Let me slow down. If there had been a law given which could have given life, barely righteousness should have been by the law. If the law could have given life, then righteousness would have come by the law. But the law could not give life. And it, since the law could not give life, we were all dead. We were all doomed. Because the wages of sin is death. But, there was not a law given to give life. There was not a law given to make us righteous. And because that's true, we need us who saves you. Scripture teaches that the law demanded perfection. Scripture teaches that the wages for sin is death. Okay, we've already quoted that death in Romans 6.23. So Jesus came to pay the price for us. He came to redeem us. The price for sin is death. The price for sin has been paid by Jesus. The penalty for sin has been fulfilled because Jesus paid the price for our sin with his own blood. I know this is very basic. And, of us must, and this should not bore you. Folks, this is the foundation to everything we believe. And we get, we get so comfortable with things, we forget it. We don't. And if we are getting bored with the gospel, something is wrong, my friend. We have been redeemed. Now let's look real quick at John chapter 8. I'm not going gonna, gonna to quote one verse from there. I'm not going to read the whole story. But in John chapter 8, we have the woman who was caught in adultery. Okay? And the law says, because she committed adultery, stone her. The law demanded death. It demanded perfection, but it also demanded death. Okay? And the religious leaders... Asked Jesus because they were trying to trap him. We'll look at a scripture here that proves that. And the leaders asked Jesus, What do you say about the situation? The law says, Stone her because she committed an adultery. <coughs> but what do you say? And then John chapter 8, verse 6 This day the religious leaders tested Jesus, Jesus that they might have something in which to accuse him. They didn't care about the woman. They wanted to accuse Jesus. They were trying to trap him. It's called him trap okay? But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not even hear them. And I heard a lot of different teachings of the years of what he was actually writing on the ground. And someone made him hit it on the head with what, 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 what they speculate that he wrote. Because whatever you think he wrote on the ground is just speculation because there's nothing in here that says what he wrote. It's hypothetical. It's just speculation. You may be right. You may be wrong. I have a chance most of us are wrong when we're, 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 we're speculating. Because okay, we're speculating. Okay? Now, keep in mind, I'm not done with this story, and we, but we've many times from 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that the ministry of death is the law, written, on, written and great on stones. There's only one, there's only one uh, ministry that was written on great on stones, and that is the law. The law is the ministry of death. Am I bashing the law? No, because it was glorious. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness receives much more glory. Now, I'm not teaching on this right now, but I'm just bringing down a point that the law is glorious, but it's a ministry of death, and it's the ministry of condemnation. The law demands death. the law has no mercy. The law has no grace. And many religious people are just like these legalistic leaders that were entrapping Jesus, and they demand your death. They demand payment. Okay? I'm not going to go into detail with this. I'm just making the point here. But let's go back to verse 6 real quick. This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him, But Jesus stood down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. In other words, Jesus just ignored them. Scribbling in the dirt, whatever he wrote. When you ignore a religious person, you will make them mad. I've seen that happen many times. And Jesus just ignored them, scribbling in the dirt. Why? Because God doesn't remember our sins. God doesn't bring attention to our sins. Now I know that, that that some people have a hard time with that. We're gonna we're gonna be talking about that in this series and these series. But why does not God not give attention to our sins? Why? Well, we're gonna get into this. But He Jesus crucified them. Now I know in John chapter eight He has not gone to the cross yet. Okay, but how do you also know that Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world? We're talking about how we've been redeemed. But Satan... and Now, we've been redeemed because we're after the cross. We're after everything Jesus accomplished on the cross. And how we know Satan is the accuser of the brethren? Satan accuses, not God. These religious legalistic leaders were accusing not only the woman, they were trying to accuse Jesus. And when we are accused... Jesus just scribbles in the dirt. Okay? See, the woman was caught in adultery. The law says stoner. The religious leaders asked Jesus, what do you say? Jesus ignored them, yet they demanded. And Jesus asked, who among you has not sinned? You cast the first stone. And they left from the oldest to the youngest. Why did they leave? Why did Jesus say to them, you who have not sinned, you cast the first stone? And why did they leave when he said that? Why? Because we've all sinned. If she was going to be stoned for her sin, they're next. Because they sinned too. The, my point I'm trying to bring out is, the same law that accused her, accused them. We've all sinned. That's the point I'm trying to bring out right now. Okay? And if you think you have not sinned, go study the law. Because that's the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law is to point out that you need a Savior. I'm not bashing the law. The law has a purpose. And the law has one main purpose. To point out that you are a sinner and that you are doomed to die unless you have a Savior. I am... The law is lawful. The law is good if it's used lawfully. The law is not given to the righteous. The law is given so that we know that we need a Savior. The law cannot save you. You cannot be saved because you keep the law. If you can be saved by keeping the law, Jesus died in vain. And we are all going to hell. I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm saying that to the true. The law will show you that you sin. That's the purpose of the law. I don't care how good you think you are, you're probably sinning now according to the law. If you're wearing material that is mixed, not just all cotton and all polyester or whatever, according to the law, that's sin. See, there are sins of commission, but there are also sins of omission. Romans says, whatever is not of faith is sin. James says, those who know to do good and does not do him is sin. We are not all walking in faith all the time. We are not all doing good all the time. There are sins of commission. There are sins of omission. We have all sinned. That's my point. Okay? There's nobody watching this on Facebook, YouTube, any of our podcasts, or anyone in the world that has not sinned. We all need a Savior. We need to understand that. Jesus went to the cross for our sins. So Jesus came and paid the price. He came to redeem us. This first point that I'm trying to get across this morning is that Jesus delivered us from the penalty of sin. And I know this is so old-fashioned, so basic, that some of us, we know this, we know this, and yet we need to be reminded of this. Am I making sense? Because I feel like sometimes I'm just preaching myself. Jesus paid the price for our sin with his own blood. We have been redeemed. Now let's go to the first Corinthians real quick. We're going to look at the first four verses of first Corinthians. First Corinthians 15, we'll start with verse 1. And Paul is writing, <coughs> he's concluding his first book, his first letter to the Corinthian church in chapter 15. And he says this, Moreover, well, brethren, he's talking to the church, I declare to you the gospel which I preached. When did he preach that? Well, he, he's in chapter 15. He's been preaching it for the last 14 verses. And he's been preaching it in every letter that he wrote. Which, I also, which also you receive. He's not talking to people who haven't received it. He's talking to those who have received it. And which you stand. By which also you are saved. This gospel saves you. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, okay? If you hold fast to the word which I preach to you, unless you believe it in vain. Unless you believe this gospel in vain, this gospel can save you. Are you, are you listening to me? If you believe that God, Jesus died with buried, wills again if you believe it, it has the power to save you, Okay? But but if you believe it in vain, then it has no power. Not because it doesn't have power, but it doesn't have power unless you believe it and receive it. Okay? Verse three. For I delivered to you what gospel do you preach? First of all, which I also received. He preached what he no, he preached what he also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. This is the gospel Paul preached. In all his letters, especially Corinthians, in this letter, he preached the gospel that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again. We believe that, we are saved. If we don't believe that, if we believe it in vain, we are not saved. Are you following me so far? This is the message Paul preached. And if we can't get excited about the message Paul preached, then why are we reading the New Testament at all? Because that's what he preached. Okay? And I'm not getting mad. I'm, I'm, I wanted, I'm trying, and since, you know, the Bible says everything that I can be shaken will be shaken, and that which cannot be shaken will remain. Sometimes i got to shake the tree a little bit see if anything's going to fall out. Does that make sense? Because this, if everything else is just stuff, but this is the foundation of our salvation. Because if we don't believe this, we're not saved. Okay? This gospel has the power to save you. For well, I'm not ashamed on the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to him who believes. Romans 16. We all needed a Savior. The law demanded a penalty to be paid. And the penalty for sin is death. The wages for sin is death. Again, Romans 6.23 Now, Leviticus 17, it says, this is the law, the third book of the Torah, within the law, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. The blood is important. You know, back years ago, I heard, why do we have to talk so much about the blood? How gory is that? Because the life is in the blood. Your blood has a DNA. You know, we've watched a lot of cop, cop shows, Sherry and I. I've even heard through the years that your your blood sings. Scientifically, people they can they have instruments, they have technology that can your 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 blood has a voice. The Bible talks about that, about the blood of Abel. It talks about that, the, blood, the blood of Jesus. There's something about the blood and the, the we've all sinned. We all deserved hell. And Jesus shed His blood because the the, the uh, let me back up. We all sinned. The law says demanded perfection. We all failed. Therefore, the law says we are we are supposed to die. The penalty for death is sin, and no, um, the, the penalty for sin is death, and there's no mercy. Therefore, Jesus had to die, that that was the only way we could be redeemed. If he didn't die for us, we were going to die, and go to hell, and there would be no resurrection, there would be no hope. This is important, okay? But Jesus, and and we're going to go into all this, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. But the blood makes atonement for the soul, okay? See, in the Old Testament, there were sacrifices. Now I know sometimes they bought a lamb. They usually bought a lamb, but sometimes their economic situation was they were more poor. They could there was some there were some substitutes they can bring instead of a lamb. Well, let's keep this simple, okay? Let's not go into all that detail right now. They would they bought a lamb for their sin, okay? I know sometimes they could bring other things like a bull and a turtle dove, whatever. But but we're not going to go into all that detail right now. That was all based on their economic situation, okay? But. Basically, they bought a lamb. We understand that. Okay? The priests examined the lamb and not the man. Nowhere did they ever examine the man, they examined the lamb. That is why the lamb had to be the best. It had to be without spot, without wrinkle, it had to be without blemish, it had to be perfect, because it represented that it represented the true lamb of God who was to come. John said, John the Baptist said, I saw Jesus coming toward me, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Okay? In other words, the point I'm trying to make right (coughs) now—excuse me—is Old Testament sacrifices were blood sacrifices for sin. Okay, the priest examined the sacrifice, not the man, and the lamb died for the sinner, the man. That's called propitiation. That's called uh, our substitute. Okay, Jesus is our Passover lamb. Where did Passover come from? Exodus chapter twelve. Exodus chapter 12 was the first Passover out of Egypt. Remember Egypt? Remember Israel being in bondage in Egypt? And there were several plagues, and the last plague was the death of the firstborn. And they had, uh, on, on, in the exodus of Egypt, on the last plague, there was the death of the firstborn, and God gave them very, in Exodus chapter 12, He gave them very detailed uh, instructions how to kill a lamb, and they were to put the blood of that lamb on the on the doorposts, and when they did so, the death angel would pass over, and that's where we come, pass over, because death would pass over, the death angel would pass over. Okay. This was the first passover. When was the last passover? The cross. Okay. This all points to the cross. See, and when the death angel passed over. They were the killing of the firstborn. Who's Jesus? The firstborn of many brethren. He's the firstborn of all creation. We're going to look at that in just a moment, though. In Exodus 12, verse 13, now, in the middle of all this instruction that, that, that God had given Moses to give the people, in the midst of all this instruction, what they were supposed to do with the lamb, the blood, and the doorpost, in verse 13, he says, Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. What plague? It was the death of the firstborn. That was this plague. Okay? In the Colossians chapter two, uh, 1, it says, Who Jesus hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his what? blood. We have redemption through his blood. We're talking about redemption. Are, are we still on the same message? Okay. Even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Now, I'm not going to go all in detail with Colossians right now. Okay. But we're talking about the redemption through his blood, and Jesus is the firstborn of any brethren. What was the plague? The death of the firstborn. Jesus died. So that we don't have to die. You're like, why? The, why the firstborn? And when you study the book of Exodus and the, the Exodus, why the firstborn? It was all pointing to the cross. It was all pointing to what Jesus did for us. God didn't just do something to do something. He didn't just pick out this guy. Well, let's play this card. Let's see if this works. No, there was a purpose in it. See, in the Old Testament, the lamb died so they didn't have to die. Are you following me? In the New Testament, Jesus died so we don't have to die. <coughs> that is the same pattern in the Old Testament and New Testament that the Lamb died so that we don't have to die. The life is in the blood. And the blood is the atonement for the soul. The life of the sacrifice for the life of the sinner. The same pattern is witnessed throughout the Old Testament all the way to when John the Baptist says, Behold, I see the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus went to the cross for our sin. Jesus paid the price for our sins. And Jesus delivered us from the penalty of sin. Jesus paid the price of our sin with His own blood. And because of that, we have been purchase. We are redeemed. And not only that, First John 2, 2 says, and he himself, talked about Jesus, is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Jesus paid the price for the sins of the world, not just ours. See, again, Old Testament sacrifices. The high priest went into the Holy of Holies, in the tabernacle, once a year, and they took blood for his own sin, and the sins of the people. That was Old Testament, okay? And every time he did this, there was a remembrance of sin, because they had to remember it, because they had to do it again next year. Okay? But in Hebrews chapter 10, for by one offering, he, Jesus, has perfected forever them that are sanctified. In verse 16, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. And we'll talk more about this covenant. And remember, I said I have three series that I'm going to be teaching in a row here. When we get into the third series, uh, the blood of my covenant, I'm going to be talking more about the covenant there. Said the Lord, And I will put my laws in their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. The new covenant is that Jesus, once for all, perfected us, made us saved, made us holy, made us perfect, made us sanctified. And he says that he will remember our sins no more. See, now we're in the New Testament. We are in the New Covenant. And now through Jesus' sacrifice, there is no remembrance of sin. Why? Because the price has already been paid. We've been redeemed. The penalty has been paid. We've been redeemed. Jesus shed his blood for our sins. Jesus died for our sins. We have been redeemed. This, folks, is the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Let's go back real quick to 1 Corinthians 15. And I'm in the King James Version, just in case you want to know. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. Paul is declaring to us the gospel. What gospel? The gospel that he preached unto you, which also you have received. We need it needs to be preached, it needs to be received, and wherein ye stand. Are you following me? Okay? We heard the gospel, we believed the gospel. And we stand on the gospel. Are you following me? When we stand on the gospel, we stand on what Christ has done. We don't stand on what we do, we stand on what He's done. Because He said, by which you stand, by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preach. What did he preach? we're going to go there again unless you have believed in vain. See the gospel saves us again Romans 1:16 says the gospel is the power of God is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. the power of God is a, has the power to save you. What's the gospel? the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Where did I get that from? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 4. You were never, but let me make another point right here. You were never always saved. There was a moment when you believed on Jesus. When you heard the gospel that was preached, and you believed the gospel which was preached, you became saved. At that moment, that you heard it and believed it, you became saved. Before that, you were not saved. You were still a sinner. This is very basic, very simple, but profound. We need to understand the difference. Okay, you, But what did you believe? What did you believe that made you become a sinner going to hell and saved going to heaven? What did you believe? You believed that Jesus lived a perfect life. I don't have it on the screen. you believe that, he's the son of God. That, that's another teaching we can believe. About Jesus lived a sinless life. Jesus died for your sins. Jesus rose again. This is the gospel you believe. Okay? And when you believe that, you confess something. You confess, I believe, Jesus is Lord. Now how many of you know Jesus is Lord whether you believe him or not? Believe it or not? Okay? He's still Lord. It doesn't change the fact that he's Lord or not. It does change the fact whether he's your Lord. And when you believe it, what? Believe what? The gospel. You believe, you receive it. And when you believe the gospel, Jesus became your Lord. One of the cornerstone verses that we use to to, to, to lead someone to to Christ is Romans 10, 9-10. And it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This is the cornerstone two verses that we use all the time to, re- to lead someone to Christ. We call it the sinner's prayer. There's no prayer here, but we, uh, and you won't find a sinner's prayer in the Bible. I'm okay with the sinner's prayer as long as this is part of the equation. Because if they don't believe that God raised him from the dead, then they are not saved. And I'm not just looking for them to recite. Anyone can recite a verse. I want them to believe it. There's a difference between quoting something, citing something, repeating after me and saying something, and believing it. Well, you're being too picky, Pastor Dave. I'm, I'm not the Word of God. It says that we confess. Are you confessing something you don't believe? Are you telling a lie? That's not confession. That's perjury. Okay. We're confessing with our mouth what we believe. Are you confessing something? Are you citing something? Are you repeating something that you don't believe? That's called bearing false witness. That's a lie. In our court system today, when it's justice, it's called perjury. Okay? And do you think God knows if it's perjury or not? Okay? And you believe in your heart. It's not so much whether you're convincing me whether you're saved or not. It's whether you believe in your heart. God knows your heart. that so you raised from the dead. I'm not saying that you understand all of it, but that you believe that he did it. You will be saved. For well, with the heart one believes unto righteousness. You can't fake that. You can't fake your heart. You can't fake what you believe and don't believe. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. But it's not just believing and no confession. It's not just confession and no believing. Both have to be there. When I water baptize someone and I love water baptism and we don't do them enough, I want the hear the confession of what they believe. Because if I don't hear their confession, what they believe, and they don't believe the truth, they just got left. Then why are we wasting our time? I'm all about going swimming. But I'm not going to call it a baptism service. Okay? I want to hear, and a child can, I've heard children at different ages confess with their mouth. They believe that Jesus raised from the dead. They believe the gospel. And they wanted to be baptized. I will baptize them. An infant can't make that confession. One, they can't even talk yet. Two, you know, they they don't have a conscience enough to believe something. I, I don't want to go into a lot of detail here, but my point I'm trying to make right now is that we heard the gospel. We believe the gospel and we stand. On this gospel. We don't stand on what we done, we stand on what we heard and believed. And we have become saved. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 15, 2. By which you also were saved, if you keep in memory what I preach unto you, unless you have believed in me. It goes on, verse 3 says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, and how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Okay? There's three things that he says in verses 3 and 4 that he has delivered to us and that we need to receive. The first one is that we need to believe that Christ died for our sins. This is so this is so powerful yet so basic. Again, our key verse is he was delivered up because of our offenses and raised for our justification. But why did he die? He died because we all sin. He died because we all needed a Savior. He died because no Old Testament sacrifice could pay for our sins. It was just a... The Old Testament sacrifice, the reason wasn't sufficient because they had to do it again next year. If Jesus died once and for all. But the Old Testament, it was just a postponement. It was just... um, it was like putting a band-aid on it. Okay? And then Jesus became our sin and crucified our sin. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteous God in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21 Jesus became our sin, and what happened to Jesus? He was crucified. So Jesus who became our sin crucified our sin. We'll go more deep with that in a little while. Now, therefore, there is no remembrance of it whatsoever. The second thing he talked about was that he was buried. Why the burial? What is so significant about the burial? Why is that part of the gospel? See, I got a little illustration here. When a seed is buried and planted in time, after it gestates and germinates, it takes on a new identification. Okay. It's still this plant. I know this is a fake plant. If you can see it, there's a fake, fake sunflower, and this is not a sunflower seed. But this is just an illustration. When a seed plants, it takes on, over time, it takes on a new identification. It's not a seed anymore. In here are seeds, but it takes on a new identification. Are you following me? Am I making sense with this? Okay. Very simple illustration. But when you believe on Jesus, you also take on a new identification. You are no longer saved. You are born again. You are born of God. You are a child of God. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, we don't know no man out of the flesh. We are a new creation, a brand new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. You stop identifying yourself with what you used to identify yourself with. See, water baptism represents I now identify with Jesus. I was buried with him in baptism and I was raised with him in the newness of life. The baptism is an illustrated sermon of what took place when I believed in my heart and confessed with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I would, the whole reason of baptism, when you, that's why you get baptized, you immerse Baptismo in the Greek means be immersed. That's why you don't get sprinkled. You know, when you have a funeral with somebody, do you just sprinkle dirt on them? I know some people do that as you know, as part of the uh, uh, just uh, I don't even know the term I'm looking for, but some people will put some dirt on them. But eventually, when they're all done with the the, the ceremony, they're going to put that loved one, beloved one, in the dirt, and they're going to bury them all the way six feet under. I'm not trying to be mean and insensitive, so they've lost loved ones. But when they bury someone, they don't just sprinkle dirt, and that's it. They might do that as part of the ceremony, but eventually they're going to bury. And water baptism means to be immersed. There's a lot more to water baptism than that, but it, it's, one of the things that it's representing is that we're being buried. The old man, why? Because the old man died! And he's being buried, and when we come out of the water, we're not the same guy who went in the water. We come out as a new creation in Christ Jesus. The water baptism didn't save us. That's why I won't water baptize someone who has not already confessed with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. The water baptism is symbolic, is an illustrated sermon of what took place. When Sherry and I got married, it wasn't the wedding ceremony that married us it was basically the document and, and spiritually speaking it was a marriage bed that married us and and there's the other things that married us that, that symbolized that marriage reign and different things of that nature but how many you know we don't really remember too much signing the, the marriage certificate even though we did that, that's what made us married as far as uh, society and from a civil point of view but but at the same point in time, most of us don't remember signing the marriage certificate. We remember signing, we remember having the marriage ceremony. And the part that we remember the most is where the, 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 the clergy will say, you can now kiss the bride, and he pronounced you as husband and wife. We'll be talking about that pronoun, pro- when they pronounce you husband and wife, we'll be talking about that in part two of this series. Okay? Baptism represents, I am now identified with Jesus. I have been baptized into Christ. Okay. I died to sin, and I will no longer live in sin. I was buried, and so I will no longer live. How many you know those who are buried in the cemetery are not walking around anymore? Okay, so you might have different ghost stories about that, but that's not, that's not the case. I was raised to Jesus, and now I live to God. We're going to be talking about that in a moment. I'm not living for myself. I'm not living for sin. I'm not living for the world. I'm living for Jesus I've been redeemed. Now the third thing he says here in 1 Corinthians 54 is that we were buried and that he rose again according to the scriptures. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. I live because he lives. Paul says, going back to 1 Corinthians 51, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which you believe, and you now stand. This is the gospel we're preaching. This is the gospel we're standing on. That Christ died for your sins, that Christ was buried, and that he rose again. Christ died for your sins. The price was paid. The payment was made. Jesus shed his blood. You are redeemed. But Jesus not only paid the penalty for our sin, Jesus also delivered us from the power of sin. That's where we're going to go now. See, we already talked established in Leviticus seventeen that the blood makes atonement for the soul. But how many you know Leviticus sixteen comes before Leviticus seventeen? In Leviticus 16 it talks about two goats. One goat died as a sin offering and the second goat was the scapegoat that was released. we can talk about the scapegoat for a moment. We don't talk about that a lot. See the priest with the scapegoat, the priest would confess all the sins of Israel onto the scapegoat and then a suitable man set it free in the wilderness. We pick up this this, this law, because it's part of the law, part of the Torah, in Leviticus 16, verse 20. And when he, the high priest, specifically Aaron here, made the end of atoning for the, the holy place, the tabernacle of meeting, and at the an altar he shall bring the live goat. He only dealt with the dead goat, <laughs> the one that got sacrificed, now he's dealing with the scapegoat, the one that's alive. In verse 21, Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over all the iniquities of the children of Israel, and all the transgressions concerning all their sins. Key word, key key phrase. (coughs) All their sins, stay with me. Putting them on the head of the goat, and shall send it away in the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. Okay? Now, when you read the scriptures, Old and New Testament, you're going to hear a lot of different terminologies regarding sin. You'll hear the terms iniquity, you'll hear the sentence transgression, you'll hear the word sin. I'm not going to go a lot of detail for you with you, but right now it's just for simplicity in case you're wondering iniquity is speaking about rebellion. transgression is speaking about overstepping the law and sin is talking about missing the mark. I, again, I'm not going to go in detail with this. this is not a major point for mine. And just to just bring some clarity some of you might need some clarity in this I can I can go in a lot more detail with this. Okay. The point I want to make right now is that Jesus took care of all of it. That's all you really need to know. Okay. So whether you're in rebellion, whether you just missed the mark, or whether you totally overstepped the law and transgressed, Jesus took it to the cross. Okay. And the goat, verse twenty-two, the goat, the live goat, the scapegoat, shall bear on itself. All their iniquities to an uninhabited land, and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. The goat would bear the sins of Israel. See, Jesus not only paid for our sins, Jesus has also borne our sins. When this word born carried, it means to carry away. It means to bear it. It means the other goat will be released, a scapegoat. That the goat would take the sins away. See, Isaiah 53 verse 4 says Isaiah 53 is talking about the cross, talking about Jesus, is that surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrow. Yes, we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. Jesus did not just die for our sins, Jesus bore our sins also. We We don't teach this a lot. The goat that died was the payment for sins. But because the wages of sin is death. The penalty for sin is death. But Jesus not only delivered us from the penalty of sin, he also delivered us from the power of sin. The other goat bore our sins, the other goat took it away. But you may say, that's not fair. One goat lived and one goat died. Stop being religious. When we're talking about the gospel, we are not talking about being fair. Because if we're going to talk about being fair, we all go to hell. Jesus dying for our sins was not fair. Jesus dying for our sins is called grace. It's called mercy. Grace and mercy is not fair. And we all need grace, and we all need mercy, and we all need the gospel, we all need a Savior. Sin is sin, and we all need a Savior, we all need a scapegoat. Hear the gospel, believe the gospel, and be free. We have been redeemed. Jesus delivered us from the penalty of sin, and He delivered us from the power of sin. Jesus not only paid for our sins, Jesus not only paid for the penalty of our sins, Jesus has also borne our sins. He took them away. Jesus took our way, sins away so that we don't have to think about it anymore. We don't have to remember it. We don't have to ha- have it dragged up every so often. We don't have to be ensnared by it, coming under its dominion. We don't have to have guilt and condemnation. We don't have to live under fear. We can be free. Jesus took our sins so that we can be free to walk in the life he has given us. We've been redeemed. This is the gospel we are preaching. Now let's go to Hebrews real quick. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews 2 says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus, likewise shared in the same." That through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. Who had the power of death? The devil. The devil had the power of death. And Jesus came, he died, so that he could destroy who had the power of death. Verse 15 says, And release those, that's us, who through fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to bondage. Verse 16. For he, Jesus, took on him not the nature of angels. But he took on him the seed of Abraham. In other words, let me clarify this verse real quick. Jesus did not come as an angel. He came as the seed of Abraham. In other words, Jesus did not come as an angel. He came as a man, the son of man. Jesus came as a man so that he could die. He had to die to pay the penalty. Okay? Let's go back to Hebrews. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of the flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through the death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. And when did Jesus when Jesus died he went to the grave. Are you following me? Colossians says it this way in chapter 2 verse 15 having disarmed principalities and powers, he Made a, he, Jesus, made a spectacle of them triumphing over them in it. Satan had power over us. Operative word, ha Okay? Paul says in Ephesians, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gifts of Christ, wherefore he said when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Verse 9 is in parentheses. You see the parentheses? So, this parenthesis is following what he just said here. In other words, Paul is kind of giving a little uh, uh, explanation of what he just said. Okay? And he said, now that he ascended, Jesus, should be capital H, is, what is, is, that, is but that he also descended. The fact that he ascended means that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended... Is a saying that also I up far above all heaven, that He might fill all things. I'm teaching all this to say this: Jesus stripped Satan of his authority in the grave through the cross, and in the grave Jesus conquered the devil. And where did He strip him in the grave? There's importance for the burial. Okay? Jesus said he would, uh, he would go to hell for three days. But he didn't go there to be tormented. He'd go there to take captivity. Captive. Okay? and Go back to Colossians real quick. We're going to go back to Hebrews, but let's finish with Colossians. And you being dead in your sins, and we're going to talk a lot about this deadness, okay? And, and in the circumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened, made alive, Together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Blotting out the handwriting ordinance that was against us. What's that? The law. He blotted it out, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. Jesus conquered the devil. Jesus rose from the dead. Death no longer had any sting. Let's go to Corinthians real quick. Which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the kingdom glory. If Satan knew what he was doing, he never would have had Jesus go to the cross. It's called the mystery of the gospel. Is not a mystery to us who are saved and born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, but it is a mystery to those who are not saved because it was so mysterious that the devil didn't figure it out. The devil didn't figure it out until it was too late because Jesus had conquered him, taken captivity captain. he rose again from the dead, and he sits at the right hand of God. Jesus conquered the devil. If the devil knew how, 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 victorious the cross would have been for us, he never would have crucified Jesus. We sometimes make little of the cross, but the devil, that was his worst day. The cross changed everything, and the devil knows it. When the devil wants you to be succeeded, he doesn't want you to know it. Because if you know that Jesus conquered the devil, he is defeated. But if he can deceive you and thinking this is not true, then he can, he, can, he can play with your mind. He can destroy you through deception. But if you don't know that you're redeemed, if you don't know that Jesus conquered the devil, the devil can think, make you think that the devil still can rule over you. Let's go back to Hebrews. And as much then as the children have taken flesh, flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, as through, the death, through death he might destroy him who had the power of death as the devil. Verse 15. And release those who through the fear of death were all, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. He says, And release those who have fear of death. I don't have to be afraid of death. Why? Why? Because Jesus paid for my sins. Jesus conquered the devil. Moving on to verse 16. For God, he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on the seed of Abraham. We're going to go to a lot more of this later on when we talk about the covenant in another series. But he took on the seed of Abraham because God made a covenant with Abraham. Okay? So that we could be established in the covenant. I don't have time to teach all this right now. This is another message. It goes with it. But we have a covenant with God. And we have a Bible full of promises that we can believe and receive because of what Jesus has done. We'll talk more about this in part three of this series. Okay? And we are not helpless, helpless Hopeless or helpless. Okay? We have a covenant with God and we can believe the promises of God. We'll talk more about this in part three of this series. Okay? Jesus came as the seed of Abraham. Jesus came as a man so that he could die. If he wasn't a man, he couldn't have died. <laughs> okay? So that we, we could be established in the covenant. And we can believe on the promises of God. And we can receive them. And we can accept. We don't have to accept whatever comes. We have a covenant with God. Jesus established that covenant to the cross. He made it with Abraham. He established it to the cross. And when you believe on Jesus, you too are the seed of Abraham. You too, when you believe on Jesus, you too are the heirs of God. the join heirs with Christ. When you believe on Jesus, you too are in covenant right to the promises of God. And we're going to talk more about this in part three. Because Paul, God said, Paul said, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promises. For all the promises of God are yes, and in him, Jesus, amen to the glory of God through us. God gets glory when we walk in the promises. Are you facing trouble? Believe the Word of God. Are you facing trouble? Apply the Word of God. Speak the Word of God. Stand on the gospel. For verily, he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on the seed of Abraham. Verse 17. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Verse 18, For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Let's go back to verse 17 real quick. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest and those things pertaining to God to make a propitiation for the sins of the people. Jesus is a merciful peace. Why? Because he was tempted like us, yet without sin. That's what he said here in the scripture. He was tempted. Okay, we'll, we'll get back to that in just a moment. First Corinthians 10, 13 says this, no temptation has overtaken you, except that which is common to man. But God is faithful. I'm going to come back to this real quick. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. God has made a way of escape. Some people find this offensive. Okay. You mean I have to put up with it? No. The way of escape is not you. The way of escape is called Jesus. The price has already been paid. The devil has already been conquered. We are redeemed. Jesus is a merciful priest. He understands because he was tempted like we were. Because it says that he was not only a merciful priest, but he's also a faithful. Jesus is a a merciful priest. He's also a faithful priest. Why? Because Jesus never sinned. You can't get more faithful than that. There is no more. There's nothing more faithful than someone who never ever sinned. He is faithful. 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 33 and a half years he never sinned. So he can help us who are tempted because he said for when he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Have you ever been tempted? Tempted with sins of commission, things you shouldn't do. Sins of omission things that you should do, but you're not doing. Have you ever been tempted not to walk in faith and being faithful yourself? Jesus is here to aid you so that you can not do what you shouldn't be doing. So you can do what you should be doing, and so that you can walk in faith and be faithful, which is the fruit of the Spirit. Because whatever's not a sin is a faith, and who knows who doesn't do good is not sin. We've all sinned, and we've all been tempted. Not just in sins of commission, but we've all been tempted with sins of omission, and not walking in faith. We've all been tempted. If we were always walking in faith like we should, the world would be turned upside down. But it hasn't been. The price for sin has been paid. The penalty has been made. We have been redeemed. (coughs) So Jesus was delivered, the the penalty of sin. And he's also (coughs) delivered us from the power of sin. Romans 6.14 says this, for sin shall not have dominion over you, but you are under the you're not under the law, but under grace. Jesus, again, I want to go back real quick. Jesus delivered us from the power of sin. We are not under the dominion of sin. Not because of the law, but because of His grace. Okay, Legalism, the law, demanded something, but grace paid it. Because of grace, sin no longer has dominion. But do not use Grace as an excuse to live in sin. Use grace as a reason to walk in the power of God. Use grace as a reason to walk in all God has for you. There was a necessity for the redemption, because we all sin. But there was a payment for the redemption called the blood of Jesus. Because the Bible Hebrews also goes on to say, and according to the law, Almost all things are purified with the blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There's no redemption. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. He was the complete sacrifice. And He not only delivered us from the penalty of sin, He delivered us from the power of sin. i got a few minutes left, and I'll see how far I get with this. We need to learn how to identify with His death and His resurrection. That's where I want to go now. We're going to kind of continue on this theme throughout the rest of this. Uh, this series. Okay. Again, going back to our key verse, Romans 4.25. He, Jesus, was delivered up because of our offenses and raised because of our justification. Real quick, I want you to notice. If you if you read the Romans chapter 4, you will see that we received righteousness by Paul talks about how we receive righteousness by faith in God's grace. He gives an example of faith through Abraham, and he gives an example of grace through David in Romans chapter 4, okay? In Romans chapter 5, Paul talks about how you went from the reign of sin and death, where you lived and were held captive in bondage, Jesus redeemed you and delivered you from the kingdom of darkness and translated you to the kingdom of his dear son, and now you live under the reign of grace and righteousness. You once lived under the reign of sin and death, but now you're under the reign of grace and righteousness. He talks about this in Romans chapter 5. Okay, so you now you live in reign of grace and righteousness. But in the middle, in the middle between Romans chapter 4 and Romans chapter 5, in the middle of these two chapters, he says he was delivered up because of our offenses and raised because of our justification, our key verse. You understand what I'm doing? This verse is a bridge between Romans chapter 4 and Romans chapter 5. See, great ability comes when you identify with what Jesus has done. He was delivered for our offenses. And if you first have to identify with his death, and second, you have to identify with his resurrection. How do we identify with his death? Well, first of all, Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, I have been crucified with Christ. There's more here we're going to tackle some just later. Let's just tackle that first phrase right now. I have been crucified with Christ. When were you crucified? Okay? i okay. still here. When was I crucified? I still have a pulse. Okay? When Jesus I died when I believed on Jesus. That's what water baptism represents. Believing on Jesus is not about me, it's about Him. But what did we die to? We're going to talk about four things that we died to. The first one is we died to sin. Again, Romans chapter 5, you went from the reign of sin and death where you were held captive. Jesus redeemed you, delivered you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of His dear Son. And now you're under the rate of grace and righteousness. We talked about this just a minute ago. Okay, I just repeated this slide from earlier. I talked about Romans 4 Romans 5. The beginning to Romans 6, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? Why am I not going to sin anymore? Because I died to sin! Stop acting like sin is such a big deal. You are dead to sin. You left the kingdom of darkness. You left the power of darkness. You left the dominion of sin. You are in a new kingdom. (coughs) You are in a kingdom of grace, a kingdom of righteousness. You are in a kingdom of light, a kingdom of love, a kingdom of grace. You are dead to sin. You are crucified with Christ or in Christ. We have been redeemed. Romans 6 verse 7 says for he who has died to sin has been free from sin. You are dead to sin and you are free from sin. We have been redeemed. You can go to a graveyard You can find the worst sinner who ever lived on this planet in this country, in your country. The worst murderer, the worst traitor, the worst uh, person who committed genocide or whatever it might be. You can find the worst gossiper who ever lived. Give them the biggest news and they will not share it. They're dead. You can't get anyone in a graveyard to sin. Why? Because they're Dead. Okay. If you identify that you are dead to sin, you can't sin. Why? You're dead. You're dead to sin. There's something that's very um complaining about death. It's over. Okay. You have a new nature. You're born again. You are redeemed. You're purchased. Your nature is no longer a thief. You're no longer on drugs or alcohol, pornography or gossip or immorality or any other sin. Why? You are dead to sin. You have the nature of Jesus. You have the life of Jesus. And the love of Christ constrains you. 2 Corinthians 5.14 For the love of Christ constrains us because we have judged this. We've come to this conclusion that if one died for all, then we are all dead. Going back to Romans 6. Now if we die with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. See, in the natural realm, life precedes death in the physical man. But in the spiritual realm, death precedes life. If you really want to experience life, there are some things you need to die to, including sin. Okay? And Romans 6, 8 says, 6, 9, excuse me, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. We need to know that we are a dead man. We need to know that we are alive to God. We need to know that we're redeemed. There are some things that once controlled us, but not anymore. Why? Because we're dead. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over us. For the death that he died, he died once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is our Lord. And we are dead to sin and we are alive to God. I'm dead to sin and I'm alive to God in Christ Jesus, my King. See, and I'm going to say something here that some of you are not, might not like. But all my life, and I'm not picking on anyone particular, I'm saying this in general terms. Okay? I almost want to repeat something that Pastor Dwayne Sheriff always says. Everyone repeat after me, I love. I love. Brother Days. Day. Okay? But all my life I've heard get saved. Another version of this is all my life I heard. Repent, don't sin, don't sin. 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 do repent, don't sin, don't sin. Repent, don't sin, don't sin. Don't sin, don't sin. Repent, don't sin, don't sin. And on and on. And today, all over Facebook, some very well-meaning people—Christians, pastors, evangelists, whatever—all over Facebook are blasting, "Repent, don't sin, don't sin. Repent, don't sin, don't sin. Repent, don't sin, don't sin. Don't sin." Am I for repentance? Yes. Am I for not sinning? Absolutely. Sin is stupid. Okay. But I'm dead to sin. I'm alive to God. Repent means to change your mind, and I don't. I can go in a totally different direction with this message right now on repentance. I believe in repentance. I believe in the fruit of repentance. Okay. But because we hear this all the time, what happens? We go out and sin and repent. We sin and repent. We sin and repent. We sin and repent. Why? Because that's what the focus is. The focus is not on Jesus. The focus is not on the cross. The focus is not on the resurrection. The focus is not on the gospel. The focus is on sin. We're preaching sin, and we're not preaching Jesus. We went and sin and repent and sin and repent and sin and repent. And I did that. I used to preach this. I used to teach this. I used to respond to this. Then one day I heard the gospel that revealed his righteousness. One day I heard Jesus became my sin and crucified my sin. I One day I heard that Jesus gave me his righteousness as a gift. I, I heard that, how much God loved me. I heard about his goodness and his grace and his mercy and what salvation was. And suddenly when I heard the gospel in this fashion, I was not so consumed with my old life anymore. I would not consume with sin anymore. I had addictions I couldn't break. But when I heard the gospel, I was free. And because this new life was so much greater, Jesus was greater. His grace, His mercy, His righteousness was so much greater. But the first time I became identified, I'm dead to sin, and I'm alive to God. And for the first time I reckoned myself to be dead to sin and alive to God. And I was redeemed, and I was free. And I no longer have that addiction anymore. No I no longer wrestle with those sins no more. Because I'm not the solution, I'm not the Savior, Jesus is. He broke me from the, the penalty of sin, and he broke me from the power of sin, and because of that, I now identify that I'm dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus, my King, and my Redeemer. Why, what do we die to? We die to sin. The second thing we die to, real quick, is legalism. I'm not going to go in detail with this a lot, but I just want to address this. Sin will kill you. I am not being lied on sin. I am telling you, Jesus died for my sins. But legalism will also cure you. In Romans chapter 7, I don't have time to teach all this. But Paul says, therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law, to the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. See, some people will say, come, or I'll help people say, I hear people say on Facebook all the time, I'm not like those sinners. I don't do drugs. I don't do pornography. I don't lie in morality and morality and the list goes on and on and on. They're boasting in them, they're boasting in what they're doing. They're enamored with themselves. But did you get involved with strife? Did you get involved with gossip? Some of them are preaching strife. Are you involved with unforgiveness? I can go on, and on. Are you always walking in faith? Are you always doing good to everybody? Sin is sin. Okay. It says here that we that we might be married to another. Who are we married to? Jesus. We were married to the law, but we because we died to sin, because that? we can now be married to another. Jesus. To death do us part. And we died. Romans 7, 6 says, But now we have been delivered from the law. Why? Because it's a ministry of death. We died. Having died to what we were held by. We died to the law. We're not not married to the law anymore. We're married to Jesus. We're in a different covenant. (coughs) That we should... Why? So that we can sin? No so that we can serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. See, in Luke 18, we have the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And in this parable, you will hear the the sinner say, he's in the dirt and says, I'm a sinner! I need your help! But the Pharisee is like boasting, thank God I'm not like this sinner. And Jesus asked, which one went away justified? The one who acknowledged that he was a sinner, I need help? Or the one who was boasting, look, I'm not like this guy. This tax collector. Jesus said, I tell you, this man, the sinner, went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. See, legalism will make you enamored with yourself. Legalism is being enamored with yourself. And grace is being enamored with Jesus. I can go into more detail of that. Let's go with the third one. I'm, I'm basically out of time here. I'm already over. We die to self. Okay? Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If you want to follow Jesus, you need to deny it yourself. He goes on to say, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For whatever profit is to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Then he said to them, All, oh, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. This is not this is Luke's version. Sorry, I'm going a little fast right now because I need to catch up. For whoever decides to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what a prophet is to a man to have he gained the whole world and he has himself to destroy the law. Why daily? Because you don't just get over yourself once. Okay? You have to die to yourself daily. If the devil can't get you caught up in the or of them, he can get you all enamored with yourself. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 15 10. For by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me. He was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. If there is any good in my life, it's by his grace. And if I have avoided any evil in my life, it's only by his grace. It is the grace of God, not you. It is the grace of God that saved us. It's the grace of God that changed us and keeps us. It's the grace of God that will get us to where God wants us to go and what God wants us to be and do. Die to yourself. Keep relying on the grace of God. The fourth thing, real quick, is that we die to the world. Okay? But God, Galatians 6.14, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. See, the world is dead to me. There were things in my life at times that I once appealed to me, that once motivated me, that once compelled me. But now the world is dead to me. Those things don't appeal to me anymore. They don't motivate me anymore. They don't compel me anymore. Why? Because I'm dead to them. God forbid that I should glory in anything except the cross. The world is crucified to me. I have died to the world, and I need to die to a deity. Okay, I'm redeemed, and I need to I identify with Jesus. There are some things I don't do anymore, and there's some things, there's things I don't say anymore, and there's some places I don't go anymore, and there's now some people who don't even like me anymore. Well, goodbye, because I'm dead to my old man. And I'm alive to God. Suddenly, I was so consumed with my old life. I, I was not consumed with my old life anymore because the, the, this new life is so much greater. Okay? For the first time I became identified with that I'm dead to sin and I'm alive to God, I reckon myself to be dead to sin and alive to God. I'm not cherishing the good old days, I'm reckoning the new days. What part of hell do you want? I don't want anything to do with the old man. He's dead. I'm not going back. I'm going forward. I am redeemed. What did we die to? We died to sin. We died to legalism. We died to self. We died to the world. The death of Jesus gives me life. I am redeemed. Next week, we're going to go to part two of this. At uh, least two more messages on this, and then we're going to go into some more teachings about talking about our, our great salvation. I know I went over about 15 minutes. Thank you for your patience. Uh, I'm excited about this. I know some of this is very basic, but we need to know that we are dead to sin and that we are alive to God in Christ Jesus. We are redeemed. Praise God. God bless you. We'll see you at 6 o'clock. God bless.